0: Welcome to episode 10 of Believe in Tennessee Football. I am your host, as always, Kyler Curveson. Today we have our SEC recap. Uh, I also talk about why I think Jeremy Pruitt's job is safe. Uh, My real thoughts on Hugh Freeze and Harrison Bailey being the future of Tennessee. Let's start the show. So, before we get into the episode, just wanted to shout out our sponsor, Bet Online. Uh, the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. So, last week I gave you two locks. One was uh, the Texans minus two and a half uh, over the Patriots. <laughs> I lost on that one. I said pick the Pats. And the other one was the over for Packers Colts. Got it. So, One of one, one and one right now, but we're going to try and do a little bit better this week. Uh, so my two locks of the week, I'm going to go Browns versus Jags, take the under. It's at 46 and a half right now. Jags just scored three points. Um, this past week, the Browns haven't passed 20 points in the last three weeks. Uh, their offense is very run heavy, slow moving. So I really do think the under is going to hit here. And the other one is Giants versus Bengals. Giants are minus four and a half um, favorites. I'm going to take the Giants on this. Reason why, they just had a bye week. okay? So they had an extra week to prepare for the Bengals. Bengals just lost Joe Burrow. Also, the losses that the Giants have. I mean, they lost to the Bucks by two points. It, they're bad, but they're close to getting over that hump, and I think they should be, I think they'll win this game by more than four and a half points. I think it'll be a touchdown or more, uh, especially with the Bengals offense just deflated with the Joe Burrow injury, so hop on that now, because I'm sure that number will get a little bit bigger as the week goes on. So, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props... BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so let's get into uh, SEC recap for the week. First game up, we have Florida versus Vandy. Florida wins 38 17. Kyle Trask has another great day. 26 of 35, 383 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Kadarius Toney had six receptions for 107 yards and one of those touchdowns. And then Vandy's Ken Seals was 22 of 34, 319 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And Chris Pierce Jr. Uh, had four receptions for 97 yards and those two touchdowns. So. It's very strange. When you look at it, everyone thinks, you know, Kyle Trask, he's up for the Heisen first place, and you think they're throwing the ball like crazy. They're just airing it out all over the place. But they're continuing to run the ball more often than they pass. I mean, they ran the ball 45 times, I think, and they passed 35. So they are still a run-heavy team, even though they have a great quarterback in their backfield. It's weird how that really helps your team succeed running the ball. Who would have thought? Um, but I do think they played down to competition. I think there wasn't much juice out of them. I mean, I there were plays where, you know, they made a tackle for loss and the guys just got up off the pile. They didn't, you know, hoot and holler, jump up and down, get excited. They are just like, oh, okay, cool, got a tackle for loss on Vandy. So I think they play, played down to competition, which made the game a little seem a little bit closer than it was. Um, I mean, I remember playing against Florida and having a, you know someone have a false start and four guys jump up on, in the offensive lineman's face and clapping their hands and getting all in this, you know, coming ac- across the line, everything like that. And, and they're not even getting excited about a tackle for loss versus Vandy, so it's like, uh, yeah, I just don't think they had much juice uh, going into this game. But that's not to say that, vandy and their offense isn't figuring things out which annoys the crap out of me because of course they're figuring things out as they come to play us but florida wins so next game is uh, lsu versus arkansas lsu gets the victory 27 to 24 Um, tj finley their quarterback was 27 of 44 271 yards and two touchdowns and then uh Tyrone Davis-Price had 24 carries for 104 yards and one touchdown. Arkansas's Felipe Franks was 17 for 26. 339 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Also had 43 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And then Mike Woods, the receiver, had four receptions for 140 yards. I swear when I watch T.J. Finley for LSU, he reminds me of Jamarcus Russell. I mean, just both Huge dudes in the backfield can sling that thing. And it looks like three weeks to prepare for a game can help you. Because, <laughs> I mean, LSU seemed so down. They seemed like the, you know they had nowhere to go. And this was a game that it was unknown. You, you didn't, really didn't know if LSU was going to be able to win this. And for them to be able to come out, you know, squeak away with a victory... It's good for their brand, good for their name, um, and those three weeks off definitely helped them, for sure. Uh, next up, we have Kentucky versus Bama. Bama crushes them 63-3. to um, Kentucky's Terry Wilson was 10 of 19 for 120 yards and one interception, and then Asim Rhodes Jr. had 10 carries for 68 yards, so their offense really didn't do much. Mac Jones was 16 for 24, 230 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. And then Devontae Smith had nine receptions, 144 yards, two touchdowns, and just broke the SEC record for touchdowns um, from a receiver. So, good day for him. Uh, Alabama continued to just try and run the ball as much as they could. They had four different running backs score touchdowns today, which is unheard of. And,. I mean, what can you say? Uh, this is an ungodly score. I didn't expect it to be this much of a blowout, but Alabama is Alabama. So uh, next up, we have Mississippi State versus Georgia. Georgia wins 31-24. to uh, Mississippi State's Will Rogers was 41-52, 336 yards and one touchdown. Jaden Whaley uh, had seven receptions, 115 yards, and one touchdown. UGA's quarterback, JT Daniels, first start for him was 28 of 38, 401 yards and four touchdowns. And then Jermaine Burton had eight receptions, 197 yards, and two touchdowns. As soon as they get a quarterback back there, they completely changed their MO. They, They weren't running the ball anymore. They passed it 38 times. I mean, Georgia was a running team before this, and it's crazy how much they changed once they have a legit quarterback back there, and it makes you wonder why in the heck was he not back there before? How come this is the first time he's played? And also, the black uniforms are pretty sick. I mean, I know I'm a Tennessee guy, and I always will be, and I'm not going to root for Georgia in any way, but... The black uniforms, anything in black is awesome. I mean, when we wore black uniforms versus South Carolina, and no Sean Marino put that spin move on the DB, I mean, it was sick. So, and last game on the slate, we have uh, Missouri versus South Carolina. Uh, Missouri pulls away with a 17-10 victory. Connor Bezalek was 21-33 of for 203 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Larry Roundtree the third, had uh, 21 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, South Carolina's Luke Dottie came in for Hill. He was 14 of 23, 130 yards, an interception. He also had 11 carries and 43 yards on the ground. Uh, then Kevin Harris had 16 carries for 58 yards. It's tough to win a game after you fire a coach. I mean, the... Motivation—it's very weird in the locker room. Uh, it's almost like what—what what are we playing for right now? We have no idea about our future. So you know, I—I I feel bad for him. Um, but you really look at it, Dottie looks good for South Carolina. I mean, he looks like a little Taysom Hill back there, and you know, he looks like somebody who could really help them in the future. Uh, You know, I got a buddy who's a South Carolina grad, and I'm sure he is very happy right now with the performance of that quarter of Dottie and and what the future looks like. So that's SC Recap. Um, Let's get into my thoughts on the Tennessee football program. So I've had some difficulty with this. I've really been on the fence all weekend. You know, I record these on Monday, and thinking about it all day Saturday, excuse me, It's just tough. I I mean, I'm so upset that we are losing and it really pains me to see, you know, I want us to be very good, but I don't want to get rid of Pruitt. I, I don't feel like that is a good choice. This cycle of every three years of just getting rid of, getting rid of a coach and moving on to the next, oh, let's get another one, oh, let's get another one, oh, let's get another one, like, that will never work. It'll never work. I, I want to be able to stay with somebody. If there was ever a season to have an excuse for not performing to your capabilities, it would be this one, where you don't have spring practice, you barely have training camp, and you have to go into the season. I just think if there was a spring practice, if there was training camp, that Harrison Bailey would have beat out Garantano, and we'd be having a completely different conversation. But when you start the season, you're thinking, "Okay, let me try and win these games. Let me do that all all I can do to win." In the beginning of the season, Harrison Bailey was not ready to play. He got three weeks of practice, like he had. COVID protocol during training camp, the only time he would get to practice before the season started. And I'm sure, while he's out there, he didn't exactly know what he was doing. So, Coach Pruitt wasn't going to put him out in the field. And that's it. I mean, I mean, if if Harrison would have had that time, I think he beats out Guarantano. I think he plays. And I think it's a totally different season. But he doesn't have that time. W- w- like, this is a season that doesn't count towards anything. Like, even whoever wins the national championship is probably going to... Like, someone's going to say, well, there's an asterisk on that because of COVID. It doesn't really count. Just like they say for the Lakers, who just won a championship. I, I mean, it's it's just so frustrating to see you know, the this is the first time Tennessee has lost five games in a row by double digits in the SEC. Well, okay, we haven't played an all-SEC schedule since the freaking 60s. Like, the last time we played all-SEC games was with Neyland as a coach, okay? So since then, we've been putting the North Texases and the and – the, you know, Western Kentuckys and uh, UTCs, ETSUs in our schedule. So there's no way that we're going to lose five in a row. I just like, it's such an unfair thing to judge his coaching on this season and this season alone. I think his greatest mistake is having Garantano at quarterback. He should have just gave up on trying to, win games and said, I'm going to try and build for the future. I mean, that's, that's it. Take Garantano out, put Harrison Bailey in. He'll suck it up. Won't perform very well his first few times, but then he'll start to figure it out. He'll start to be able to read defenses. He'll start to get that experience under his belt. And then next season with, you know, starts under his belt and, Understanding the offense more I think he would be a great quarterback but you go into the season trying to win games and Harrison Bailey wasn't ready yet that's all it comes down to I mean you think do you think Garantano lost us the game versus Kentucky or Coach Pruitt because I think Garantano lost it throwing two pick sixes this game even Two missed field goals and a pick six returned. So the field goals, hey, Brent, you got to make them. Uh, They're makeable field goals. You've made them before from that distance. You make those two field goals. We don't throw an easy interception. It's cover one, single high safety, They're manned up on the edges. You have seven-man protection, and you just stared the receiver down. You know there's a safety playing in the middle of the field. If he's playing in the middle of the field, he has the entire field to cover. The only thing that would tell him which direction he needs to go is watching the quarterback's eyes. And Garantano straight up just stares down the wide receiver. So the safety just comes on over. Monday's just... Hey, I'm here. Nice to meet you. An easy interception for him. Like, I think that's why Bailey went back in. It's just so frustrating that Coach Pruitt is like, "Hey, I'm putting you guys in places to succeed, and you're failing. Like, you are not executing out on the field." Garantano just isn't it, man. He isn't it. Like He's so simplistic in the way he plays quarterback. And at the beginning of the season, I understood Harrison Bailey's not ready. Brian Maurer's not ready. He's very sporadic. JT Shroud isn't showing up. So you kind of like forced your hands and have to play Garantano. It stinks. Now you're into the season, there's no chance you're going to the SEC championship, you're already getting a bowl game because everyone gets one. This doesn't count towards anybody's eligibility. You are on the hot seat. All the fans are upset with you right now. Put Bailey out there. Why would you keep Garantano in? You know Florida, you're not going to win versus. You're not going to win the Florida game. You're probably not going to win Texas A&M game either. Those are the number two and number three teams in SEC. So if you know you're not going to win those games, you try as hard as you can, but you're probably not going to win them. Hey, let's get better for the next season. Because I don't think he's going to get fired. The reason why is because it's between him and Philip Fulmer, not between him and us and us fans watching. Like that's not what the decision is made. It's between Philip Fulmer and Philip Fulmer got pushed out before he needed to be. I was one of them. Everyone was upset in 2008 with the 5-7 and seven record. But after that, after we went through Lane Kiffin and Coach Dooley and then into Butch Jones, people regretted that we got rid of Philip Fulmer. They, they praised when we got him back as an AD. It was the best thing they had heard. Sometimes you just need to pump the brakes. And not try and force somebody out so quickly. He, I mean, Philip Fulmer went to the SC Championship in 2007, and then he won. He went 5 and 7 the next year, and automatically he was a bad coach. Like, no, that's not true. It's not true at all. There's like, if any year were to be an excuse, it would be this year. And, and, like, people are more upset with him than they were with Coach Jones. It's it's crazy. You know, they're saying, like, oh, he's, he's worse than Coach Jones because of these double-digit losses and all this kind of stuff. Like, the difference in what was going on, the, the momentum that Coach Jones had versus Jeremy Pruitt, the, the year that Jeremy Pruitt has had to go under the, the quarterback controversy, like, it, it is such a different realm than what, Coach Jones had. I mean, there was so much talent on that team. To fall apart after that 5-0 and start in 2016 is crazy. I mean, we were a middle-of-the-pack team in the SEC last year, guys. Like, we didn't win the SEC championship and then expected to win the national championship this year. That's what everybody's acting like. And to hire Hugh Freeze, what? Like, I understand he won 10 games at Ole Miss. He also cheated uncontrollably for the program and on his wife. He was calling escorts for himself. He was giving money out to kids. I mean, they got playoff bans and NCAA violations like crazy, and the whole time he was trying to act like a preacher. I do not want that guy a part of the program. Like... I don't want someone like that a part of the. Pro- he even had allegations at Briarcrest about being inappropriate to the the girls there. Like, this isn't a guy you want running your program. I mean, he was almost at five mil at Ole Miss. He's getting paid five mil at Ole Miss. He's getting paid two mil a year at Liberty. So if we were to hire him to another SC job, he has to get a pay increase. So we would also have to keep paying Butch Jones, buy out Jeremy Pruitt and keep paying him, and then sign Hugh Freeze to a $5 million contract because that's what Mike Leach just got. So Hugh Freeze is going to want the same thing. We're in a pandemic. Where do you think this freaking money is coming from? There's no way that we could possibly do that. Like, There's no way that will happen. I'm sorry, everyone. Just go ahead and get it in your head. Jeremy Pruitt is not going to get fired after this year. Because Philip Fulmer's the one who makes a decision. He knows what it's like to get fired before it is actually warranted. And he understands business to where he doesn't he knows he doesn't have that much money to pay three separate head coaches. Like logistically, this would not work. Sorry to say it. So Jeremy Pruitt is going to be our coach. What he needs to do is put Harrison Bailey out there. Okay, We're 11-point favorites versus Vandy. If our defense can just show up a little bit. Harrison Bailey just had a good touchdown drive versus Auburn. Now they're playing a little soft, but he still looked okay out there. We still have a good running game. I think we can... Win Vandy, give him confidence, goes into Florida, gets a real test, gets, I mean, just something under his belt to where he knows what's happening, knows how the SEC is, and same thing with Texas A&M. And the next season, he'll have those starts. He'll understand the game or be able to go through a spring practice and a training camp. Ask any player right now, ask any ex-player how much – they grew in their first spring practice and training camp. It's huge. It's astronomical how much you grow in that time period, how much you start to understand football more. In high school, it's, hey, throw it on this side of the field. Your coach is literally saying, hey, you're looking for him to throw it to. That's it. In college, it's, Hey, if their defense does this, then here's the guy who's going to be open. Now, if they do this, then this is the guy who's going to be open. Also, if you see the defense line up like this, we need to check out of it and run this play. Like, it's completely different. So those starts under his belt are just going to be huge moving forward. We'll still have great momentum. Jeremy Pruitt's still recruiting great. A lot of the recruits are still on the bandwagon. They understand what, like, they see it they know the kind of man Jeremy Pruitt is that's what they're getting recruited like that's what they're wanting is that kind of guy that he is it, it, you know they want to support they want to be a part of this they want to grow this program that's great that is great to see and I, we beat auburn in every statistical category you could in the second half we we worried so much about second half and falling apart especially offensively, we went 10 plays for 63 yards, and then he threw an interception. We went 9 plays for 72 yards, missed a field goal. 9 plays for 75 yards, touchdown. 8 plays for 54 yards, end of game. So in no way did our offense fall off. We kept doing exactly what we needed to do. And if this doesn't show... like The second-half offense this game versus the second-half offense when we played Arkansas, is completely different. They look so much better. And I think Harrison Bailey should be out there more. I mean, if Garantano doesn't throw that pick, if we score there, it's a completely different game. It makes it 17-20. to 20. Or, no, no, no. It makes it 17-13. to 13. We're up. So, I, it's just... It's just so tough. I'm just, like, so on the fence. I don't think Coach Perrett's going to be fired, but I'm so upset with what's happening and just the execution out on the field. You know, in the drive before halftime, if you don't trust the quarterback that's in there, then why are you trying to have a drive? Well, Why are you trying to put together something? Why are you calling timeouts when the other team is on offense so you have some time on the field? If you don't trust your quarterback to do it, which... They don't, and honestly, they shouldn't because I wouldn't either. I'd be more afraid that he would throw an interception than take us down the field and score. I mean, guy didn't even throw up the Hail Mary. Just throw it. What are you doing? I I, I don't understand. Like, as a coach, you put him in a great situation to throw a Hail Mary. You put him in a situation to possibly get a score, and he just doesn't do it. He just gets a sack. As a coach, what what do you do? Like, you can't go out there and play for him. He has to make a good decision. I, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Like, that's play right there where he takes the sack on a Hail Mary and then throwing the interception where he just stares down the wide receiver is the reason they took him out and it should everything that has happened this season is the reason he shouldn't be out there again I'm sorry this season is not about necessarily winning the last three games it is about building for the next year that's what it should be about building for the next year. And next year, it needs to be Bailey. It can't be Garantano. He should transfer to another team, be a graduate transfer, something like that, but there's no way we can put him out there next year. He is way too inconsistent of a player to be a starting quarterback in the SEC. But in no way do I think Tennessee is going the wrong way. I don't think that we're headed in the wrong direction. I think we're headed in the right direction. It's just about getting him off the field, man. Like you can't have him out there. That is the that is the one decision that is putting Jeremy Pritt on the hot seat is having Garantano out there playing. Because he knows what he's doing as a coach. He is a good coach. He is a good recruiter. He's going to be able to get us in situations to win, but having Garantano out there is just way too huge of a risk. It's too big of a risk to wish for, you know, one of those games he had versus Missouri last year. It's like, that's not uh, it's not what's going to happen every week. He's so inconsistent, he's up and down. So you're not going to lose your job. You already know that. I know you've had conversations with Philip Fulmer because it's, Obvious, it's everywhere. People are talking about it. So I know you've already had conversations with them. Phillip's probably been really nice and said, hey, don't worry. I understand. It's a COVID year. You're not going to lose your job. You're going to be fine. So start preparing for next season. Start preparing to possibly win SEC next year when it gets a little bit back to normal. I mean, going forward, we might just have SEC slates. It might just be SEC games every year with limited fans. It might be like that for a few years. So just prepare for that. This adage of, well, it gives us the best chance to win on Saturday. Well, right now, it guess what? it It's not necessarily all about that. I know it's all wins and losses, wins and losses, but like, this is a weird year. It doesn't count towards eligibility. There's no way that you winning more games is going to get you anything in the SEC. You're not going to get a SEC championship or get a better bowl game or anything like that. Like, So, really, they don't matter. You're already past the point of no return. So, let's get ready for next season. Let's improve on... Some guys who you haven't played. I mean, even in other positions. Get them some experience. Might as well. Might as well. So, I think Jerry Pruitt's going to stay. He's definitely hot right now. <laughs> like, on the hot seat. But he won't be fired because of Philip Fulmer. And the experience that Phillip has had with UT. And please don't bring up Hugh Freeze. I, I I know it's seen as, oh, you know, wins and losses, wins and losses. That's all that matters. Is Are they a good coach? Can they get us wins and losses? I, I mean, I care about character, man. Like, I, I care about someone being a phony or a fake. I think recruits probably care about that, too. I think the moms and dads of recruits care about that. Saying, well... You were the guy who got escorts, right? Like, uh, I don't know if I trust this quoting Bible verses and all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, there's no way. So that's just my thoughts on it. You know, I am disappointed with how the season has gone for sure. I thought we were in a lot better spot than this going into it. Um... But it's just, it's time. It's time to think of next season. I really believe that. I'm always going to root for him. Always going to want him to win. Going to root for them to beat Vandy, Florida, and Texas A&M. But I want to see Harrison Bailey out there. I want to see him. He is the future. So please, just put him out there. Let him show us something. Let him show us who he is and get them ready for next season. I appreciate you guys coming on, joining me today. Um, Follow me on all social medias. Kyler Kerbison. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Rate and subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast platform you listen to. Spotify, anything like that. Um, Go to betonline.ag and check them out. Make some bets. Also, give me a call or text. Uh, number is 865-322-9232. That's my podcast number, so I'll answer any questions you guys might have uh, on the next podcast. And as always, Go balls.